Okay, if you take a look back at the slides uh, that showed the picture of the iron lung, there was also some pictures. One of them was of Peg at Christmas time when she is 13 years old. Uh, one of the times she got to come home from sheltering arms. Uh, there's also a picture of Miss Ballard. She's helping an unidentified patient. Um, there's one of Shirley uh, and Dorothy. There's one of Renee, Dorothy, and Peg at Sheltering Arms in 1949. There's also a picture of Peg's brother, Art Schultz, uh, in 1948. And there's a picture of Peg's parents, Beth and Bob Schultz, uh, in 1949. Okay, hopefully you paid attention and you thought about how Miss Crab and uh, Miss Ballard uh, do things differently uh, and about their strengths and weaknesses and how they approach Peg uh, and what their differences are in their therapy methods and why Peg is more willing to work harder for Miss Ballard than she is for, was for Miss Crab, Mrs. Crab. Sorry. Okay, so we are ready to begin Chapter Ten, which is called "Happy Thirteenth Birthday." Don't forget to put that as a title on your paper. On the first Sunday in November, Dad said, "Next week we're going to have a birthday party." He turned to me, or did you forget about that day was coming? Every year since I was old enough to know the date, I had counted the days until it was time for presents and a party. This year I had completely forgotten. Without school events to keep track of and Mother's daily reminder calendar next to the telephone my days and weeks ran together like cream in coffee by this time next week mother said we'll have a teenager in the family a grown-up mature young woman said dad ha huh, said alice a teenager i was going to be 13 years old i wondered what awaited me in the year to come a wheelchair of my own braces on my legs walking sticks or perhaps during my 13th year i would learn to walk again perhaps i would go home home a powerful word it caused a picture to flash through my mind like slides fast-forwarding on a screen. Home was a three-story yellow house with a large kitchen where we ate most of our meals, a dining room for special occasions, a living room that contained, among other things, the piano where I practiced my lessons. My bedroom was upstairs, and in my mind I entered it gladly. I saw my bed and my four-drawer dresser, four dresser, a rug on the floor, even my messy closet which Mother always nagged at me to clean out so that I wouldn't attract spiders. I loved every inch of that house, but home was more than walls and furniture. It was Grandpa 
sitting beside me at the dinner at dinner, BJ at my feet, hoping for a handout. It was mother singing in the kitchen, and the smell of freshly laundered sheets that had dried in the sun. Home was Dad arriving at six o'clock, bringing me a piece of bubblegum. Home was macaroni and cheese for supper. Home was feeling safe and cherished. So you're getting a mental picture here. You can almost picture a house. I always picture the yellow house across from the elementary when I read that part. <clears throat> Are we really going to have a party, Dorothy asked. Right here in this room, Dad said. It's going to be a wing-dinger. I've never been to a birthday party, Alice said. We'll fix that, said Mother. It was easier to have them leave at four o'clock, knowing that there was my birthday party to look forward to. The next Sunday, the nurses helped us wheel helped us into our wheelchairs for the party, all except for Shirley, who couldn't sit up for a long time. I thought 12 o'clock would never come. Mother and Dad brought balloons and party hats. Art came, and his presence excited us all even more. Dad took movies of the festivities. Dorothy blushed and looked away from the camera while Renee mugged shamelessly. Shirley self-consciously waved whenever the camera <clears throat> was pointed at her, and Alice put her hands over her face and refused to be photographed. Mother opened a large box revealing a chocolate birthday cake with 13 candles. The nurses were invited to share the cake, so there was a, a quite a group crowded into the room to sing happy birthday. As I blew out the candles, I had only one wish. And I'll bet you can predict what that wish is. I want to walk again. Are you correct? After we ate cake, I opened my presents. Dorothy and Renee had made a bead bracelet for me in their occupational therapy class. Alice had made a card, which surprised me. Because on the morning of the party, she pretended to have forgotten all about my birthday. Shirley was not well enough to make anything, but her name was added to, and her name was added to Alice's card. We hated to have the afternoon in, but as usual, my parents gave us something to look forward to. Next week, said Dad, we'll have you'll you'll be able to see yourselves on a movie. Not me, said Alice. I'm not in it. Yes, you are, said Dad. I got some shots of you when you didn't know it. Alice grumbled about that, but when Sunday rolled around, she was eager to see the film. There was much bustling about as my parents set up the projector and the screen and hung the bedspread over the window to darken the room. Dorothy and Renee were in the wheelchairs, and I... And so was I, but Shirley, Shirley's bed had to be pushed 
across the room next to Alice's so that everyone could see. Dorothy had never seen herself in a movie, and she shouted with excitement each time she appeared on the screen. Alice kept saying, There we are! That's us! When the movie ended, we begged Dad to rewind it and play it again, which he did. In the bed that night, the other girls talked about how much fun it was to see themselves in a movie. Listening to their chatter, I remembered dozens of home movies of me playing with BJ, riding a bike, climbing a tree. There was footage of me modeling a new coat or riding my friend's pony. As I compared those other happy times to my hospital birthday party, I felt homesick. It had been wonderful party. I was grateful for it, and it was as good as it and well. Will it ever happen, I wondered. Will I ever ride a bike again? My worries were eased by Miss Ballard's optimistic outlook. She praised my progress every day, saying things like, If you keep this up, you'll be walking soon. After she had worked with me for a week, Miss Ballard asked if I would like to try hot bath instead of hot packs. Anything would be better than hot packs, I said. The next morning, two nurses, Willie and Terry, helped me into a large bathtub that was partly filled with hot water. Then Willie turned the hot water on again. We'll let it run until the water is as hot as you can take it. The water got hotter and hotter, but because it happened gradually, I didn't mind. When the tub was full, I soaked in the water until it cooled, emerging with a lobs with lobster red skin and fingers and toes that were wrinkled like, like raisins. Another simile. I dressed and had my physical therapy session. Do you want to have a bath each day instead of hot packs? Miss Ballard asked. I grinned. No more hot packs ever? No more hot packs. She made a note in the chart. I love the hot baths. They relax and soothe my muscles more than the hot packs had without the initial burning sensation. Also, my arms and legs felt weightless in the water. I could move in ways that I could not otherwise. A daily trip to the occupational therapy room was added to the schedule. OT consisted of crafts and projects designed to strengthen damaged muscles. On my way to OT, the OT room, I went through the ward for the younger children. Several were playing with dolls. The dolls all lay on their backs while the children moved their dolls' arms and legs. One little girl told her doll, This will hurt, but it will help you get well. I wondered if there were any doll-sized hot packs. When I reached the OT room, I saw other patients painting, weaving scars, making belts. I was eager to start my own craft project. The occupational therapist, whose name was Jeanette, took a footrest, took the footrest off my wheelchair. We'll need your shoes off and your socks off too, she said, and quickly removed them. I could not imagine what craft project required me to have bare feet. Jeanette dumped 
a bag of marbles in a pile next to my right foot. Pick them up with your toes, she said, one at a time, and move them over to your other foot. I stared at her. Why? It's good exercise for your feet and ankles. I curled my right toes around the green marbles and moved my foot to the left and then raised the marbles. Very good, said Jeanette. This, I muttered, is the stupidest thing I've ever done. It won't take long, said Jeanette. There are only 75 marbles. I'll die of boredom, I complained. But Jeanette had already gone on to want to show some other lucky patient how to make a belt. When half of the marbles had been moved, I told Jeanette my leg was tired. I can't do any more. Well, use your other foot, she replied. Move the marbles back to where they were to start with. Later that week, I made a coin person OT. In the hospital, I was no, I had no use for a coin purse, but it was better than picking up marbles with my toes. All right. Don't forget to write your sentences about chapter 10. Happy 13th birthday.